Hey, get your Bibles out again to Psalm chapter 8, because we're just dwelling in this area for a while on Wednesday nights. We may, we may get through and switch come the new year, but for now I want to keep dwelling in this particular location of uh, dominion. And uh, we mentioned to you that there were four areas, and tonight I'm going to uh, open up the can on one of those areas, which is excel and expand. And I'll remind you of those four here in just a moment. But let's go ahead and read Psalm 8, beginning with verse 3, and perhaps you're even starting to memorize it. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion. Everyone say again, dominion. Amen. It's really a great Christmas theme. Jesus, Jesus came into the earth to take back what, been, what had been stolen. He literally came as the second Adam. What the first Adam, along with his helpmate Eve, had fumbled, uh, he was coming back to see restored. And I have often used this as the analogy, just as Adam had an Eve, so the second Adam has his Eve. That's the church. Just as he's the second Adam, I believe you and I as the church are the second Eve. And just as Adam, the original Adam, when he entered into sin, it was through the seed, his seed. It's interesting that we all sin in Adam, the scripture says. It doesn't say we all sin in Eve. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It doesn't say that we've all contracted the disease of sin through Eve, although she was the first one to partake of the fruit. It says it came through Adam, and the reason it works that way is because I believe it is through the seed of man, man, men, literally, not humanity, man, that sin is transmitted. And that is why when Mary was conceived and to be with child, the seed that conceived Jesus in her womb did not come from earthly man came from the heavenly father therefore he was born of seed that was incorruptible and that's just kind of an interesting sidelight but jesus entered in he intervened in our world not only to save us from our sins but he came back to restore that which has been stolen and as he as the first adam provisionally stains the race the second adam provisionally and i always say provisionally redeems because there has to be a response on our part in other words, the, the atonement is for all. What Jesus did is for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. So the atonement is available for all. He has redeemed all. He has broken the curse over all. But the key is all must respond. So as we respond, that becomes effective for you and for me. So it's no longer theory, it becomes reality. And as it becomes reality in us as the church, then we, as the second Eve, have uh, the joy to be able to appropriate all the restoration that God has provided. So we are literally on a take-back mission. You and I are on a take-back mission. We were designed to exercise dominion. Uh, things will work better when Jesus is in charge. And Jesus is in charge when he's living large in his people. And then his people allow, of course, that lordship to be exercised through them. So there's all sorts of wonderful uh, theology and doctrine that spring out of the Christmas story. And it says you've made him, meaning man, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, 
even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. And so we've been talking again about dominion, and I didn't write down all the notes, so Matt, we're going to do this again on the fly. Is that all right back there? So excel and expand. Now, I mentioned to you last time, if you go ahead and switch slides, that there were, of course, every time, there were four things related to dominion that we found out of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Four things. If anybody ever looks at you and says that dominion is not a biblical concept or somehow or another, it has nothing to do uh, with uh, God's uh, created humanity, you can say they're wrong because of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, which explicitly says that God spoke to man and said that he was to have dominion, as well as here in Psalm 8. And there were four things located there that I've mentioned to you, next slide, um, that we've been working through. Now, we've, we've spent several Wednesday nights on be fruitful or become productive. As you will recall, we've spent much time on the concept of work. If, if people would just work, do you understand in America today, if we would just work, we would be, yeah, we would be the 1%, just working. And, and that is one of God's ways that we exercise dominion is because we just become irreplaceable because we're, we work, we're workers, and God can move through that. Secondly was multiply, thirdly was replenish, fourth was subdue. I'm going back to number two, which is multiply. So he said a part of dominion was to be fruitful or to work, but he said secondly that we were to multiply. And I told you that the definition that I'm using of multiplication has to deal with expanding yourself and excelling. Expanding yourself and excelling. Now, I want to read several scriptures to you, kind of to start and open this up, and we're plodding along in this particular concept. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 13 and 8, find that real quick, Matthew 13, 8, and it's the parable of the sower, and I'm just, I'm just giving you several passages here in order to underscore the concept that God wants to multiply things. Matthew 13, uh, verse 8. It says, it says, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then he goes on to say, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, the parable of the sower has to deal with this guy that's sowing seed and, and, and he's throwing them on different places. Some of the ground does not receive it. Other aspects or other ground does receive it. And when it's thrown on good ground, the good news is, is that there is very much the possibility, 30, 60, 100 fold, of the seed that's cast out will produce fruit. In other words, it will be multiplied. Now, why am I sharing that with you? I'm sharing that with you to underscore the concept that whenever God does something, he wants to multiply. In fact, it's interesting in the book of Acts, if you'll read the early chapters, it will say this word. It said, and God added to the church daily. But then when you get to about chapter 6 somewhere in this, it said that he multiplied in the church. God's will is to multiply, to multiply in your life. Most of us never get to the multiplication. Most of us just love addition. But God wants multiplication. In Mark chapter 10, there's another great passage here. Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning with verse 29. Um, uh, the Lord had begun to uh, speak 
about how it was hard for a rich man, you know, to enter into the kingdom of God. It was easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. And everybody goes, wow, if this is such a hard thing to do, how, how are all of us going to be able to enter into the kingdom? And Jesus says, well, of course, with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And then Peter, Peter always helps us because because he says things that we want to say, but we know not to say it, but he just says it. So he's often very helpful because we're usually thinking it. But in verse 28, he begins to say to the Lord, see, we've left all and followed you. Now, this is what he's setting up. He's setting up this scenario saying, hey, listen, you're saying this thing's hard and not many are going to do it, but I'm just telling you, I've left everything I have in order to follow you. So it better not be too hard. I mean, I'm just reading, you've got to know the Greek to get that. I mean, it, it, that, that's what he means here. He goes, we've, we've left, look, Lord, we've left everything. You know, he's trying to impress Jesus. We've left everything. But listen to what Jesus says. Verse 29, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. Now, you just didn't leave them for your sake. You left it for his sake and the gospel. Verse 30, Who shall not receive what? A hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. Of course, with persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. Now, he didn't say it was all just going to be nice, neat, and tidy. He said there's going to be some persecution. But this is what he promises here. He says, he says there's not a one of you that has sacrificed for the cause of the gospel or the kingdom that I will not multiply back to you. Do you understand that every time you s- sacrifice, and it would be interesting to hear what we would define as sacrifice. But he says this, there's not one who has sacrificed that will not be multiplied back to. Now I'm sowing something in you right now. You're saying, I don't know that I've ever received multiplication. Well, can I ask this question? Have you ever anticipated it? Have you ever had the faith for it? I'm sowing something in you so that we... We spring out of our poverty mentalities. And I'm just not talking about finance. Finance is just one aspect of our life. And I have to do this continually because, you you know, I wrestle not only with all the personal challenges that everyone in this room wrestles with in your life, but but we're moving a church forward. And so and so we've got to continually, obviously in pastor and in people, to to anticipate God breaking through in multiplied ways. So I'm just, I'm sowing this concept. And then finally in Acts chapter 2, which is beginning to touch on that, which I've already mentioned earlier, Acts 2.41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added. There you go in verse 41, added. And in verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were were being saved. And then if you want to know the scripture, Acts 6, verse 7, it says, Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So it's never God's will. You know the old saying, or you may not know the old saying. I've heard this before, you know. It's you, me, us, four, no more, Acts 2, 4, close the door. That's never been the heart of God. He wants to multiply, multiply our influence, multiply uh, uh, what we can receive back from our sacrifice. He wants to multiply in his people's lives. That's when God's on the scene, when multiplication takes place. 
That's when God's on the scene. Now, so as we're looking into dominion, I want to begin to talk about this aspect of uh, expand and excel. God is a multiplier. When Jesus was given five loaves and two fishes, what did he do with it? Sure, he multiplied to feed 5,000 people. It was Paul who said in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, he says, it is God who supplies seed to the sower and will multiply the seed which is sown. Now, we're not talking now. I, I'm going to spend just, let me spend a time financially on this issue. And, and I want to I put a little parentheses out here on the side for just a second. I have as much trouble, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, I have as much trouble listening to all the fundraising shenanigans that go on in Christian circles. I believe, I've seen it. I understand it. I'm as repelled by it as most people. Having said that, there is a financial principle in the Scripture that as in faith we sow into the things of God, that there is a legitimate biblical expectation that we can present at that moment that he will multiply back to us whatever it is we've sowed. Because the Bible says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So whatever you sow, you reap. That's why if you sow golf clubs, you don't reap tennis rackets. You're following me. That's why when people go, well, I, just, I give of my time. Well, that's great. God will give you probably more time to give. Because it's whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So when we're sowing, just using finance as the example, when we're sowing finance, then we're giving God because you can't sow in the ground tomatoes and expect to get oranges. So when we're sowing finance and we're sowing, we can have a legitimate expectation. He says here that God who supplies seed to the sower, I need to just stop here for a minute because we're getting to the end of the year. This really wasn't my direction but i'm going to go ahead and sow this into you guys okay okay thank you glad i have your permission god who supplies seed to the sower do you realize that some of the money that comes into your house is not to be consumed on yourself you you do get that right that god who supplies seed to the sower now all of us get blessed do we not on occasion i mean I, i'm grateful for blessing and i know you're grateful for blessing and when things come to the house we learned this at the farm whenever whenever we were harvesting wheat on the farm you would harvest the wheat but you would never take all the wheat off to the grain elevator to sell you'd never do that you would take out a certain amount of your wheat and you would put it in your quonset or your grain drying uh, area uh, silo oftentimes and you would cut off a portion of what was, was grown in your fields and you set that aside in order that you would have something to sow when it came time to drill wheat again. You're following me. Most of us consume our seed, which is why we never have anything to sow so that God can raise something up. And so you've got to really begin to shift your mentality to not just spend everything that comes into your household because some of your money obviously when you receive money some of your money is to be set aside as the tithe is under the lord it's his we should know that by now of course you've got money and you got to pay bills i i get all that but some of the money especially unexpected monies that come into your home may very well be god supplying seed for the sower so when you get that 20 dollar blessing while that's wonderful 
ask yourself this question. Is this something that I can use as a blessing? Because you can, then there's nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not attuned to this, maybe God's giving you $20 as seed in order that you can begin to reap 30, 60, 100 fold. Are you following? Because if you eat your seed, that was a nice trip to McDonald's, but it's over. Enjoy it. That Big Mac, enjoy it. Because it's done gone. But could it be that that was seed for the sower? Because he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, God supplies seed to sowers, and then it says that he will multiply that which is sown. I want you just to think about that. Because as we come to the end of the year, and I realize I, I don't have the whole body with me, I just have the faithful Wednesday night crew, and I appreciate that. But as we come to the end of the year and we come to vertical and we present our, our first fruits and we receive that offering, that, that literally, I'm telling you, and I've taught this, that is, that's my seed going into the ground for 2012. I'm planting seed. It's, I'm, not, I'm not bringing my tithe. I'm not even bringing my building monies that God. I'm bringing some seed for me to plant, for me to sow before the Lord. And listen, it's for no other reason. Now, it will be used for reasons in the church. And this has always interested me. is because if I were to announce we have this great need, let's just say I have to raise $5,000 in order that we could do something on the land. I, I, would, I would venture, if, if I would guess, that people would say, okay, I can understand that. I can see that. I'm a part of this local church. We need to raise some money. I'm part of it. I want to do my part. I'll write a check, and we'll all do something together, and we'll meet the need. That's cool. And we do that on occasion. But here's the part you've got. This is the revelational part. You see, that's just natural. There's a need. The church has a need. We need to meet the need. And all this works on the natural level. But I'm just challenging you to begin to move out of natural into revelational. Ask yourself, what do I want to believe God for? What do I want him to do in 2012? And is there seed that I need to sow? And I'm not sowing it because the church needs it or, or pastor's trying to get it out of my pocket or I just, you know or it's some get-rich-quick scheme, but revelationally I understand that if I plant seed, whatever I sow, believing it's being sowed, God supplied seed to the sower. Is his word true? That he will multiply back. I want you just to chew on that, okay? Now this is what they won't let you do in other cases. They take the offering right now. I'll let you think about it. Pray about it. Chew on it. But I'm just telling you, we've got to get some seed in the ground. God loves to multiply. So, you know, I love it when I, 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 I see God bless and get some, but I want to move into multiplication. How many of you know Satan is a subtractor? He subtracts from your life. He takes from your life. He's, he divides. God multiplies. He divides. <laughs> God adds. He subtracts. That's why Satan splits families, and he splits marriages, and he splits churches, and he splits businesses, and he splits communities, and he's trying to split America. There was a day America exponentially, both financially and, and its generosity, and I could go down the list, America exponentially was above and beyond every nation in the earth. But because we've ignored God, and because we walked away from his ways. And, and now, we, now we can't even say hardly Merry Christmas. Senators and congressmen cannot write Merry Christmas on government letterhead. They were sent 
They were sent that note this year that they could not send to their constituents on letterhead from the Capitol and write Merry Christmas. We are fools. We are fools. I can't get off on that one. Satan knows, though, Satan knows, though, that a house divided against itself, isn't that cool? The word, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so that's why his strategy is to suck God's people dry. He sucks us dry emotionally. He sucks us dry spiritually, financially, in every way, shape, and form. That's his desire, to suck us dry. And that's why God always goes through there. He, you know, the God's word is pretty clear that debt generally is not a good thing. Uh, generally, uh, you know, he says you need to save and, you, and that needs to part, uh, be a part of your financial equation as well because God uses these things to multiply, all right? So what does it mean to multiply? We'll walk on here a little bit. What does it mean to multiply? Sometimes we use so much effort in producing fruit, we neglect this area of consideration. Um, I liken fruit to a type of of masterpiece that God produces through you. As, you. as you produce fruit, that is God and his masterpiece painting something through you. Uh, for example, a musician goes to a recording studio. He lays down uh, these meticulous sounds that eventually become a master tape, right? So, so he's a musician. The fruits of his musical ability uh, come forth with this recording in a studio, he lays all this down on a track. I don't know how they do it. I'm sure they do it digitally these days. You know, they probably can put it on zip drive. You know, back in my day, it was on a literally tape. You know, you don't even see tape anymore. I don't even think you can buy a cassette anymore. I think they're gone. And uh, I remember when they were vinyl records. How many of you remember vinyl records? Look at that. I remember vinyl records. I remember, I remember, listen, I not only remember the 33 and a thirds, I remember the 45s. Do you ever run 45s? You two young girls there. You do. You're way too young for the 40s. Hey, if that's bad, I remember, I remember when they were, you remember, 78s. I know, I know everybody's going, oh, that is old, Pastor. Yeah, man. I remember that. I think my mom actually has kept all of my old albums. I think I still have all those old vinyl albums somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I, eight tracks. How many of you had eight tracks? You know, you know what the bad thing about eight tracks? You're in the middle of a great song and it always clicked to the next track. Oh, it was terrible. It was ter- I remember my eight track was underneath the glove box over on this side of the car. And you'd have to reach down here while you're driving to try to take out the eight track. It got off the course there. Anyway. So you're a musician. The fruit of your life is music. You lay down your, the fruit of your life into this, this track. And that's great, isn't it? You could run around and say, this is great. Look at, look at what God has done. Look at the fruit of my life. And, and all of that would be true. But, but actually, using whether it's the digital thing or just bear with me in my archaic terms, let's just say it's a tape. That tape, though, is the first fruit of what you want to see take place. Because if you're a musician, as great as it is to have your own personal little track, ultimately what you hope is that that gets pressed into CDs or goes through, you know, iTunes or whatever a computerized electronic method of disseminating music is these days. And people buy that. And, and I mean like hundreds of thousands. 
And I mean, even if you just wrote a song, Clay wrote a song and, and it's going out and I don't know how many different CDs and I think he just gets a few cents on a CD sale, but you sell hundreds and thousands of that CD and it adds up, doesn't it? And so maybe your one little lick or your one lyrical writing on that didn't seem like much, but if, if it works as it's to work, it's to multiply. That's, that's what God wants to do. You bear fruit and we're glad for it. But ultimately, God wants to take that and multiply that in amazing ways in your life. It expands Him in the earth when He can do that. And so uh, we need to begin to think in those terms. One of the best ways is like a teacher. A teacher, let's say, is in a classroom. Well, And, and even like this, let's just say I'm teaching tonight, and I don't know, maybe there's 50 folks here tonight. I, I, I don't know the number, but here's the thing. As, as, as seed goes out, and as you hear, and as you receive, and as you implement, what happens is, is that something gets multiplied when you go from this place. Now this works over and over and over again in all of our lives in different, in different ways and different forms. So it's not just bearing fruit, it's beginning to multiply. Let me give you the story here. I remember... He was a guy I went to high school with. Um, in fact, he's the second person. Let me, give you a, let me give you an example in person number one. Let's say here's, here's this, this young person, and, and I'll just make him 18, 19 years old. It's early in his life. And he decides that he's going to start uh, a lawn mowing operation. So he does that. He's, he's pretty good at it, makes a pretty good living at it, works hard at it, and uh, gets a retirement center. And, and works basically in that retirement center as, as a lawn mowing person. He's a hard worker, absolutely sterling character, nothing wrong with that. In fact, he's fruitful at it, and, and he makes a pretty good living at it, and, and that's one person's story. Now, let me tell you another guy's story that's somewhat similar to that. His name, I'll never forget his name, his name was Kirby Hughes. Kirby Hughes was his name. He's a little bit younger, I think he was about two years behind me in high school. But he started mowing lawns uh, when he was about 10 years old. And he got his dad's lawnmower, and just in his own neighborhood, he would go because his dad owned a shoe store, actually, and, and, and that's how his dad made a living, was at this shoe store. But Kirby would mow lawns, and he would get money for mowing people's lawns, like many young boys, I suspect, would do that. Now, as he got older, and when he was old enough to drive, he asked his dad for a pickup. Because in his pickup, he could throw the lawnmower in the back of the pickup and, and he could expand out of his neighborhood and begin to mow even more lawns. So he, he, he picked up some more. And since he had a pickup and he needed to get these lawns done quicker, you know, he put a hitch on it, got him a trailer, and got him a riding lawnmower. And so then with the riding lawnmower, he was able to expand a little bit more. And, and after he began to do that, he began to get more uh, jobs. So he... So now listen, he's not out of high school yet. He got someone else to help him mow lawns, and then he figured out that even while he was going to high school, they could still be mowing lawns. So when he was still in the 11th and 12th grade, he was in high school, and there was somebody out for him mowing lawns. Until finally, uh, just a few years out of high school, he had all these teams of people who were mowing lawns for him, he was actually contracted by the whole school to do all of their football fields, to do all of their schools, 
uh, high schools, you know, middle schools, grade schools. Kirby Hughes was his name. Now we're talking, he's a senior in high school. He, he's making twice the money of his teacher who's teaching him in high school before he gets out of high school. He would literally, not, this is no joke, would be called out of class in order to deal with business issues because back in those days we didn't have cell phones. And by the time he got out of high school, he already had a half million dollar a year business that was cooking. And all he did was mow lawns. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to go out and franchise whatever it is you're doing. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is this, that, that there comes a moment in our life we have to think beyond just the fruit and let God begin to do a work of multiplication. I just look back here at the prices. Did you start out with one goat? You started out with two goats. Like how many goats do you have now? Less than 20 goats. But you got around 20 goats. But the goats multiplied, didn't they? And instead of getting a half gallon of milk every other day, you guys put out some milk now, don't you? And people come buy your milk and buy your cheese. It didn't start that way, did it? It just started you just wanted a goat. And now all of a sudden people come, and, and not only that, now they give tours. You give tours at Jeremiah Farm, don't you? So you got school kids that come to Jeremiah Farms and learn about goats, and they pay for that, I would assume, as well as the milk and the cheese, and you sell goats. See, that's, multipl- see, that's what happens when multiplication see, begins to take place. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. Now, it doesn't, it, you know, how it works at Jeremiah Farms and with goats may not be how it works in your life. How it works for Kirby Hughes may not be how it works in your life. But I will assure you, however it's going to work in your life, God's design is that through you things get for the kingdom multiplied. Now, I can tell you out at the price, there's some witnessing that goes on, sharing of the gospel that goes on, some kingdom work goes on. Are, are you following me? Some dominion is taking place. And so... All of these things are things that I want to begin to sow in you, and i got ten minutes to give you just about four things as to what keeps people from multiplying. I'm going to give you these four things real quick. These are are the stoppers to multiplication. In fact, why don't you just say it? Say, God wants me (laughs) to multiply. God wants my life to be multiplied. Come on, you got to believe that. Because if you don't believe that, what happens is you slip into a poverty mentality and you fear that you will lose what you already have. See, here's the cool thing. Jesus said, even if, if you were to give everything away to him, he said it's, it's still better to lose it all to him because he can multiply it back than to just keep it and to go down you know, with, with the economic shit. People right now in America are fearful and they've, and they've clammed up and they're holding and they're hoarding. And the reason is, is they're afraid what's going to happen in the coming months or years or what the election is going to do or the market's going to do. And people live this way. And what happens when you seize up like that, God can't move. He moves when we're sowing and when we're releasing. All right, four things real quick. Number one, what keeps people from multiplying? Lack of vision. We all have to be challenged at times to broaden our horizons. You've got to get a vision for something beyond your established boundaries. All right? You, you've got to say, what is it, Lord, that's beyond my present boundaries? We like our present boundaries because it's safe, it's comfortable, 
But we've got to begin to get a vision for what God might want to do outside of those boundaries. So no matter what God has seated you with, no matter what he's put into your hands right now, you've got to get a vision for what can he do in greater ways with what's right now in my hands. And greatness isn't always defined as the biggest, largest, or fanciest. It's defined by kingdom influence. Do you have a vision for that? I know in my life, I mean, I, you know, we live here, this, we're, we're church in the mall. I get storefront. I, I get that. But you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. God can expand your influence. And so every day I wake up and say, okay, Lord, how are you going to enlarge my territory? Like Jabez, how are you going to enlarge influence? How are you going to enlarge impact? How are you going to do that? We got to get a vision. You got to get a vision for your life. I mean, I, I, I'm just, you know, I know, Jimmy, I'll just use you as an example. I know that you took in the last few years some punches, man. I mean, you, you, aren't, you aren't fixing to run a marathon next week or anything like that. I mean, you, but, but even where you're at, you say to yourself, Lord, how, how will you? And let me anticipate enlargement and multiplication. What can I do to multiply, Lord, help me? My impact. Because you know what? I'd be willing to bet your leg doesn't affect him all that much. No, not a bit. Not a bit. Just like with goats. Who'd have thought goats could be used to witness for the gospel? I always often think about that. Whenever I drive out to Tim and Casey's, I say to myself, here's Goat Central right here. And yet, you know, all sorts of interesting people come to Jeremiah Farms and Casey gets to witness to him and, and, and Tim gets to share the gospel, so... Hey, if God can do it with a goat, isn't that funny? Your sheep dealing with goats, isn't that? That's kind of interesting, isn't that? I never thought of that before. See, I always heard that God didn't like goats, but actually, God's kind of fond of goats, isn't He? How about that? We could we could run with that here. What keeps us from multiplying? Number two, tradition. There are good traditions. You understand that, don't you? There are good traditions, but then there are some dead traditions. To multiply sometimes means we have to let loose of those things that have grown to be traditions in our life. We get emotionally, sentimentally attached to the way things have been done in our life over and over, but that's one of the obstacles to expanding. You understand that if we, if we had gotten too attached to the horse and carriage, we'd still be riding in them. That's exactly right. <laughs> and, and who knows, there may be a day we might have to do that. But if you're in the transportation business, you, you, you better understand that, that, that God may break through some things and, and give information and revelation on other areas. So it's easy sometimes just to get in a, in a mode, traditional mode, and we've got to break out of that for God to be able to multiply. Number three, I've already mentioned this, a poverty mentality. You will never expand if you think, how little can I do and still get by? How little can I do and still get by? How little can I spend and still get by? How little can I release and still get by? I'm all for getting a good deal. I'm all for working smarter and not necessarily harder. But you know, God's not into cheap and God's not into lazy. A poverty mentality, really a poverty mentality is not, I've often said this, is not a lack of something. It is the fear of having a lack of something. That's a poverty mentality. There are rich people who have poverty mentalities. It's because they fear loss. 
And that's when poverty begins to set itself in. And you've got to break that because God multiplies when you get out of the hoarding mentality. Um, So poverty mentality. All right, number four, and lastly, and we'll end here tonight, there's no sense of excellence. Remember, this is expand and excel. There's no sense of excellence. We're going to pick this up. Of course, next Wednesday night, we will not have a meeting. You you understand we canceled the 28th, so we won't be here next Wednesday, so we'll pick it up at the first of the year. And I'm going to tell you how multiplication can begin to take place in your life when we come back. That'll be a good, good word for the first Wednesday of the new year. How can multiplication take place in your life? But it stops when you have no sense of excellence. God is a God of excellence. He wants you to exhibit excellence and as much as possible in everything that you do. You know, it's interesting that when God uh, used a person... Uh, He chose people with certain skills. And he chooses, uh, excuse me, people with certain skills. For instance, jewelers, tailors, carpenters, artists. When God was wanting them to build him a temple, he chose these people because he knew that, that quality always precedes quantity. And so whether it's a business or a church, whether it's your small group, your life group, whether it's the music department, whether it's the kids department, whether it's the nursery, whether it's anything in your life at all. It, do, do it excellently. Excellence. His name is an excellent name. He values excellence. I mean, I, 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 to this day, it, I, it's remarkable to think that when God created the tabernacle and he told Moses how to build the ark and he gave such explicit instructions with regards to the wood and with regards to uh, the dimensions and he was so intricately involved in this piece of furniture and I thought to myself God gives all this this intricacy to a piece of furniture that only one person is going to see one time a year is that not remarkable he says but this is how I want it done can you imagine if you were the creator of that if you say you'd say to yourself only one person's going to see that, and they're only going to see it once a year, and there's going to be so much smoke in here, they aren't really going to see it anyway. Don't pour blood on it. Come on, give me a break if it's an inch or two long here. God saw it. God saw it. And every time, whatever it is, the Scripture said, whatever you do, you do as who? As unto And no one may come and watch it, and no one may come and see it. But God sees it. I've functioned under this for years. You all know this. You all know that you come on a Wednesday, you're going to get it just like you get it on a Sunday. Why? Because God hears it. I'm not throwing it out just for you. It says unto Him. Amen. When you go to work tomorrow morning, you're not going just for that employer, you're going for Him. You give it your best. You put your best foot forward. You understand when you begin to do that, you will exercise dominion in the earth. Because your boss will see that and go, what in the world? There's nobody like this. That's what they said of Daniel. There's no one like this. No one like this. We can't fire him. We've got to promote him. We can't lay him off. What do we do without him? All right? That's how you begin to multiply. I'll stop there. How many of you want to see multiplication in your life? Can you say, yeah, I knew that's about 100% there.
Stand with me, all right?